I wanted them to see their their selves, uh, their their stories in the story I was sharing. And then when I feel we were connected, that's when I shared what I did. So I did not see myself as above them. I saw myself as their friend, and we're I'm holding your hand. I'm taking you on a journey with me. I'm not here because I'm better than you. I'm here because I've made a lot of financial mistakes in the past. I learned from those mistakes. You don't need to repeat my mistakes, but I can share with you what I did to get out of that situation. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Connect with Confidence podcast, or welcome back. Thank you for listening, whether you're jogging or you're walking or sitting in the car or maybe just having a little rest somewhere. I'm so delighted that you're joining me today because I'm introducing you to the beautiful Shana Sino from the Philippines, who I connected with in Singapore, I think in 2018 at the Asia Professional Speakers Convention. So I meet the most gorgeous people from around the world. And I've been to the Philippines a number of times and oh, seven times and I'm missing them all so much. Um, But Shah has also traveled extensively and I'm so excited to hear about her recent travel. Uh, Shah, welcome to Connect with Confidence. Thank you for having me, Carrie. And I'd like to greet everyone who's listening right now. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Recently, you have been on the road or on the planes. Tell us about your recent adventures and what have you been learning about yourself and connecting with people and uh, yeah, just share all the joy. And then later, we're going to talk about stuff that you've got coming up, which is exciting. Okay, sure. So I love traveling. Pre-pandemic, I would travel at least once a month. And then during the pandemic, I did not travel at all. So when the opportunity to travel in May uh, came about, I really grabbed that opportunity. So I was invited to give an 18-minute keynote to a global convention for speakers in France. It was 18, min- 18 minutes, right? Yeah. And then I was given the option, would, you, would I want to send a video recording of myself, of my talk? Or would I want to travel all the way to France to deliver that keynote? Yeah, I know the answer to this. <laughs> I chose to travel because I feel like, wow, the connection that I can make in person is so much different than the yeah. connection that I can make virtually or via my video. So I did the illogical thing of traveling for 18 hours from the Philippines to, uh, to Zurich first and then to, to France. Um, just to deliver that 18-minute keynote. And for me, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made this year because in that convention, I, I met a lot of speakers who became my friends. Yeah, And I really had a great time. So since I was traveling to Europe anyway, I decided to hop to other countries. And uh, Europe is such a great place to travel to because everything is connected via train. Yeah, So I... I first flew to Zurich, Switzerland, and then I, I traveled all over Switzerland for six days, and then France for about seven days, and then Luxembourg for one day, Germany for one day, Belgium for one day, and then the Netherlands for, I think, five or six days. So it was such a beautiful vacation, uh, vacation slash work, and Wow, I really, really love to travel. And I look forward to traveling more. I'm, I'm going to the U.S. in a few days. And then wow. the Maldives. So, yeah, the, the travel the travel sensation is resumed. Wow, that's amazing. And so when you said prior to the pandemic, you were traveling, you know, like once a month or so, 
was that in and around the Philippines or across Asia or had you been to Europe before? What was your traveling life like earlier? Yes, yeah, so I would travel once or twice a month um, before. So one of that would be going home to our province in in the Philippines to visit my family. So mm-hmm. I made sure I would always allot three to four days to spend with my family. I would fly just to be with them. And after the other travels would be it's either work. Uh, I'm I'm being invited to speak in another place in the Philippines or or in other countries or I'm attending a seminar. So those are the nature of my travel. Or sometimes um, it's part of the moment and I feel like, okay, I want to go to the beach next week and then I'll book a flight to the beach because there are a lot of beaches in the Philippines. There are and they're gorgeous. So tell us, what are you most passionate about speaking about when you're traveling and speaking, your favorite topic, which is one of the things that really connected us? Okay, so one of my favorite topics, which I got invited to speak to speak about uh, for the past few years, is the power of gratitude. Yeah. And I would always share the the benefits of gratitude. So one of which is it will make you physically healthy, and then it will make you happy as well. And then I connect it with some of the studies. For example, there is this there's this study for UK employees wherein loneliness leads to poor health outcomes, which leads to poor poor productivity. Yeah. And so for companies and organizations, it's really important for them to make sure that their employees are happy and engaged so that they can be very productive at work and they can find meaning in what they're doing. So that's my favorite topic, um, the, the power of gratitude. And the topic was, I, I did not initially offer that topic so I would speak about mission happiness in the workplace, and then I would briefly mention about gratitude. And then one of the biggest companies in the Philippines invited me to speak on gratitude for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, so I gave that. Uh, so, so the first time I got invited to speak on gratitude, I asked myself, really, a company would, would want me to, to speak about gratitude for two hours? Is, that, is gratitude that important? And so I dive deeper into the study of gratitude. And one thing about uh, about me is that whenever I give talks, I make sure that I walk the talk. Yeah. So I don't just, just research and then deliver it. I have to make sure I, I'm not just the messenger, but the message as well. Mm-hmm. So gratitude has been deeply embedded in me for a couple of years now. In fact, I've been writing on my gratitude journal for 10 years, every, every single day for 10 years. I've been practicing gratitude uh, every single day. And I see its effects on me. And so I really dive deeper into the study of gratitude in relation to how can it help companies and organizations have a more engaged workforce, a happier employ- happier set of employees, and which leads to productivity, higher productivity for the company. So mm-hmm. I, I gave that talk and then I was so surprised because a lot of other companies in the Philippines invited me to, to give that same talk. So that's one of my favorite topics. And that is the reason why we put up the World Gratitude Summit, I think sometime in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So just before the pandemic. And then we had, so we re-ran, we re-ran it in, in 2020. And we had 15,000 virtual participants. Wow. From so um, there, I really, really love talking about gratitude. And in fact, just a few days ago, a company invited me to, to, um, to help their employees remain engaged and motivated. They're already engaged. 
because they they had a they had a five week um they had a five week employee engagement program wherein they did a lot of um a, a lot of stuff that that would help improve their employees' well being. And so for the final event for their culminating activity, they asked me to speak to help keep the employees engaged and to keep the fire burning. As I talked about gratitude and I really felt the energy of, of the participants, every time I talk about gratitude, I could see a room light up, even if it's a virtual room. Yeah. And I could see how engaged the participants are. That's so beautiful to hear. And, you know, I haven't been back to the Philippines since 2019. I nearly got there early 2020. Uh, I've noticed that Filipino culture is, I noticed a lot of gratitude. Like when you said the, the audience is, you know, buzzing, there's that, um, that engagement and gratitude. I have experienced so much incredible gratitude in all of my engagements and connections in the Philippines since I started going in 2015. And I feel like what you're doing is reminding people of who they are, reminding Filipinos who, and I know that the, the environment there in the last couple of years has been so, so difficult with such extraordinary um, numbers, the population, and just dealing with the pandemic. You were in lockdown for such a long time. Right. And, you know, everyone's deeply challenged and yet you've reminded people of who they are that when we practice gratitude that yeah it lifts us above the challenges that we're facing and I love that you're journaling gratitude every day I find that if I start my journal with a few lines of gratitude then when I start thinking through other things that might be really challenging uh, you know even event um, you know processing things that just don't make sense that are challenging when you start with gratitude you tend to finish with gratitude also right, <laughs> you know, right. just, just being grateful for the time to think things through uh, gratitude really does lift us up um, and so what kind of practical recommendations do you make to companies to to build this culture of gratitude and connection okay one of the things I would recommend is for companies to incorporate what I call the gratitude circle during their team meetings so what happens for example if you have your team meetings, let's say once a week or twice a week or once every two weeks, before you jump to the agenda, how about letting everyone in the room share what he or she is grateful for mm-hmm. in two aspects. Number one, professional life and number two, personal life. So the reason it's important to do that is because it really changes the, the atmosphere right away. It changes the atmosphere, especially if you're if it's crunch time and you really, really want to 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 dive right away into the focus of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So you can feel that everyone is everyone is ner- Everyone could be ner- people may be nervous at first. Mm-hmm. So when when you do the gratitude, it really relaxes people. Yes. And it gives you a different perspective. So it changes the energy in the room, the atmosphere in the room, and then now you can talk about the deeper stuff or the harder stuff. And the reason why it's important to, to ask people to, to share what they're grateful for in their personal lives is because you, you want to have a glimpse of what's important with that person yeah. in his or her personal life. And then who knows if there are opportunities wherein you can be a blessing to that person outside work, you can do that. 
And also it gives a feeling to the employees that, oh, they're not just concerned about my productivity at work, but they're concerned about me, about my well-being, about what I'm interested in, even outside work. Yeah. So there, you, you get to know about their family a bit, about their hobbies, what makes them happy and things like that. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful culture that you can, you can build. In the Philippines, we have what we call uh, malasakit. It means care. There is no direct translation in English, but it's really, it's, it's a very deep form of care. Yeah. Like you feel the pain of the other person, you feel the joy of the other person, and you want what's what's best for the other person. So that's how I would describe the word malasakit. The closest definition would be care in English, okay. but it's deeper than care. So when when employees feel that you care about them, then they will also care about the company. Yeah. Yeah. So that malasakit? Yes. That's how you say it. It's like I can hear that it's the it's a deep connection. It's the the empathy, the care. It's uh, you got it. Yeah. Oh it's my god. A powerful way to connect with people who you work with. Yes. Because you spend so much time with the people that you work with. So if you're building that connection, and of course, you know, beginning a meeting with shifting focus for a few minutes on, you know, what am I grateful for? Because when you ask your brain that question, when you say, what am I grateful for? Rather than, is there something I can be grateful for? Because <laughs> your immediate response, <laughs> if life is hard, your immediate response might honestly be, uh, nope. <laughs> but when you say, you know, what is it that I can be grateful for? You start to think of things and I guess hearing other people's thoughts can spark ideas and be like, right. yeah, I am grateful for air conditioning or I'm grateful for the smile in the room when I walked in. There's so many small things that can lift us. And then as we share that, it, it builds the belief in us as well as the people around us. Um, so that's really powerful. I, I can think of plenty of meetings I've been in where we haven't started with gratitude. I've always wrapped up with gratitude so we can, you know, you know the asking model in Do Talk to Strangers. We wrap up with gratitude you know so gratitude is a powerful connector whether it's you know saying thank you to the barista being specific with your gratitude but often you know in team coaching sessions we would always complete the session with you know gratitude and insight you know what what did um what did we learn from each other and expressing gratitude um but really any time is a good time for gratitude isn't it yes yes and I really like, uh, I love the idea as well to wrap it up with gratitude. For me, it really worked to start with gratitude. I remember there were a couple of times where it was crunch time in our team. And, uh, and then there were, there were some problems that need to be addressed. And, you know, so, so when, when, I, when I tell my team, okay, let's have a meeting. I could feel the tension in me as well because there are problems in to address as a lead as the leader of the team and there are team members i need to you know call out um for some mistakes so so you could feel the tension but when we start with gratitude the atmosphere changes and also mm. we have a culture in our company in my little company we're in there is no blaming no blaming so for example um if someone makes made a mistake we say okay so we did the, the idea is you always do your best. You give your excellence. Yeah. And then when you make a mistake, 
that's already uh, that's already expected we make mistakes i can make mistakes you will make mistakes and it's okay so when when i call for a meeting to discuss that particular mistake that caused problems so so they know that the purpose of the meeting is really to to find solutions and and what does what that does is they don't need to be defensive if i ask them what happened they can share with me exactly what happened without trying to make it sound lighter without trying to cover up for 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 anything so i really love that it's really open communication and they know that if they make mistakes it's given it's it's accepted um as long as the, again the idea is we always give our 100% in everything we do yeah yeah and that focus on solutions coupled with gratitude it it keeps the brain in a more creative problem solving space exactly so yes. you're not you're not in a threat state in which in which case you can't solve problems so it is uh it is really powerful uh what you're sharing there so thank you for sharing that and you've got a very exciting project coming up which i'm very grateful that you've involved me in so do you want to share with us about the global authors summit okay yes i'm very grateful that carrie said yes to my invitation to to speak at the panel at the global authors summit so many years ago when i was when i had the calling to write a book i wanted to discard the idea because i was not a writer and i hated writing <laughs> but then i felt like the calling was so strong i needed to share the message the burning message and at the same time respect the preference of someone if he or she wants to hear the message because if she wants to hear the message she can read the book rather than me telling that person hey you need to do this and that uh, the first book i wrote was about money management So so I wrote my first book and then in the process of writing my first book I fell in love with writing and I developed the formula for writing a book. So there is a formula for writing a book wherein even if you're not a writer I can teach you how to write a book as long as you know the basic skill. And the basic skill is if you know how to write a sentence that's the only skill then I can teach you how to write a book. So so I'm just giving a brief background on or on how the Global Authors Summit came about. Um so there so I had this program I have this program called the 90 Day Book, book Writing Challenge where in my very bold claim is I can teach you how to write a book in 90 days even if you're not a writer and even if you're busy in your job or business. And after 90 days we organize book launches for the graduates of the 90 Day Book Writing Challenge. So we have this 90 day book writing challenge book launch plus seminar so that's the name of our event and then year after year more global authors are launching their books so some authors would fly to the philippines from from singapore malaysia korea uae etc the us etc to speak and to launch their books in the philippines and so i said why not call it a global author summit because it's now attracting offers globally and so in 2018 we had the first global author summit in person this was pre pandemic and then 2019 um another in person event and some of our colleagues flew to the philippines like um Kevin Cotam uh Jonathan Lau Strigata Batnagar etc yeah i remember uh, i remember that yeah and so so they flew in and then during the pandemic we decided to to do a virtual version and then uh, last and then that's why we're having 
this virtual version because I asked the, the graduates of the 90 Day Book Writing Challenge, would you want the virtual or would you want in person? A lot of them said virtual. And so since more global authors are coming in, uh, we're doing that global authors virtual summit. So it's the graduates of the 90 Day Book Writing Challenge would launch their books there. And then I, care, I carefully, um, we carefully chose the global authors slash global speakers we will invite to speak at the panel. And I'm so grateful because Carrie said yes to <laughs> speak at the panel discussion. So she will be joined by uh, Sangar Amlani from India and yes. Delphine um, Ang from Singapore. And this will be moderated by my friend Kat Aristorenas from the Philippines. So it's a global, um, it's a global thingy. Yes, and Sagar has also been on the podcast. I think maybe it was last year we connected. Oh, wow. Also, and I, one of the most standout stories from that episode was the way he spoke about his mother. It was just beautiful. Yeah, it was a very special episode. Um, yeah, so I love hearing the, the background of that, but I, I just want to go back to when you started talking about your first book that you were, you know, felt compelled, you felt called to write. And it was about helping people with their finances. And I met another author in the Philippines, probably 2016. She came to one of my events and she had just written book after book. And a lot of them were about financial literacy. So tell me, what was it that inspired you to write that? What was okay. it that you were seeing or conversations you were having with people or your own story? So regarding that book, I was an employee. I was a bank employee for nine years and in my first year as an employee, I got buried in credit card debts because I did not know how to manage my money. So when I was when I was in college, I had this meager allowance, which was good for, for a month. Uh, my, my parents would give me allowance every single month. When I started working, I was so amazed at my earning ability. And I was so amazed at how much money I was making. Of course, compared to my meager college allowance, I wanted to give some to my parents, but they said, save for your future. And then I, I, I said, why would I save? I would make my, I would, I would get my salary every 15th and 30th of the month. Money will never run out. Why would I need to save? And then I saw my office mates apply for credit cards. And since we were working in a bank, it was so easy for us to apply for credit cards. It was automatic approval. And I tried using it to recreate a scene I saw in a movie when I was a child, wherein someone just handed a, a piece of card and then just uh, signed something, a piece of paper. And then that was the payment. I said, wow, what? How powerful could that get? And so I had my credit card. I learned that that magic, which I saw when I was a child in a movie, was called a credit card. So I kept on swiping my credit cards. I thought it was my money. And then in just one year, I maxed out the credit limit of my cards. And then at that time, I was sick, I was sick and tired of my job. I wanted to quit my job, but I couldn't because, number one, I was buried in debts. I had no savings. And number two, I asked myself, if I will resign, what will I do? Where will I go? I did not know the answer because at that time, I did not know my purpose yet. I did not know what would make me happy. I was so lost. And that inspired me to start reading a book on money, money management. I kept on reading books and attending seminars 
seminars and seeking mentors, after three years, I was able to zero out my debts. And that's when I, and then I was also able to save and invest. And that's when I, I noticed that a lot of my friends and my colleagues were, are in the same boat I was in. Yeah. And a lot of young professionals, millennials, are mismanaging their finances, travel here and there, buying gadgets they don't really need to impress, pe- to impress people, etc. And I could clearly see the kind of future they may have. Retire old and retire broke. And maybe they will stay in the company. They will, they will keep working because of money, because they needed to pay off the debts they used to finance their travels. So I could clearly see that amongst my friends, amongst my colleagues. And so during informal conversations over lunch or dinner or snacks, I would tell them, oh, do you know that it's so important to pay your credit card debts in full and to save and invest? Because if you have credit card debts that you are not paying in full every month, even if you're saving at the rate of, let's say, 3%, which was already very big uh, then, if you're draining money at the rate of 48% or 60%, depending on the credit card interest, you are draining money at a much faster rate. So that's how I would talk to my friends. And I noticed that my friends would shy away from the, from the conversation because money was such a sensitive issue. Yeah. So there's this burning message that I wanted to share, but no one wanted to listen to me. <laughs> the moment I started talking about money, I could really feel that they almost wanted to tell me, shut, shut up. And so, you know, I felt, I felt responsible. Now that I know the information that I know, I felt responsible to share the information. And at the same time, I wanted to respect the preference of that person whether he or she wants to listen and so the idea of writing a book came to mind and um, I wanted to discard it because I was more of a numbers person I was a math person rather than um, words kind of person but the calling was so strong and I would remember I would I would be in bed and I would wake up at 2 a.m I would hear a voice telling me write a book I would be at work this gives, this is giving me goosebumps right now. I would Make be at sure. work so immersed in, in what I'm doing at work. And then suddenly I would a thought or a voice would pop up and say, Shut, write a book. And oh my God, uh, that that happened for so many months. I did I really, really wanted to, it was a torture for me to write, Carrie, before. Yeah. I did not, I did I hated words. Um <laughs> It was a torture. The reason why my, my course back in University of the Philippines was business economics was because I shifted from my original course that involved a lot of writing and reading. And so when the calling to write a book came to mind, or um, I would say uh, it was God who called me to write a book, I really, really felt uncomfortable. But finally, after months of wrestling with that idea, I finally obeyed the voice that was such a beautiful decision in in the process of writing a book I discovered my purpose I discovered what I really wanted to do and it 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 even led me to becoming a a professional speaker because after I wrote so remember I I attended a lot of seminars before I would pay for those seminars when I published my first book the organizer heard that I published a book 
even if the book was not yet printed at that time, they invited me to speak in person. And uh, it was one of the biggest money events in the Philippines. And um, I was the youngest speaker. The other speakers would be SVPs of these financial institutions or CEOs or founders of this and that or multimillionaires, billionaires. I was the youngest. And the only reason they invited me to speak was because I wrote a book. And then some of those who attended recommended me to their HR, uh, to, to their H- HR professionals, HR officers. And then I got invited to speak and share about money management. So that was the first topic I spoke on, um, money management. To come, uh, that was a topic I would I would speak. Pre- that was the main topic I would share to companies and or- organizations before when they invited me to speak to their companies. And that's amazing. And I really relate to your sense. You said it right at the beginning of the conversation, you know, feeling I'm not a writer. And then that nudging every night waking you up, you know, like write a book, write a book. And uh, I remember describing to some friends when I was writing my second book. The first one I think happened so fast and it was really just for my clients. It was a journal and it was, it was helping people with something that I had needed help with you know, to create a journal, to have questions, to prompt people to, to get writing because we know how liberating writing can be now that we've done some. I love that you described it as torture because it's it's hard sometimes. But I, I do remember my book about regional entrepreneurship. I felt like I had this big hand in my back pushing me forwards to do this book and I felt like, no, I'm not a writer. I can't do this. Even though I wanted to share this message and encourage people that you know you're never too you know young or too small or too country or too remote to to do those things that you dream of and I know what it's like walking into a room going oh my gosh everyone else here is like at the top of their game they're the CEOs they're the experienced people so how did you feel going into that first conference as you know the youngest and yeah okay well that um I had training years prior, and I'm referring to my membership in Toastmasters. I, I used to be a very active member of Toastmasters. So brief right. background before that momentous event where I had my first ever speaking engagement. When there was an internal vacancy in my in the company where I was working for, I applied for that company. I applied for that position. But during the interview, I really messed up. I couldn't even communicate my thoughts. Yeah. I was just bubbling and mm-hmm. I felt so ashamed of myself at that time. I wanted to vanish. I wanted the earth to, to eat me up. Yeah. And then when I went home, I, I used to uh, share uh, an apartment with five other female friends. So I talked to one of, my, one of them and I, I asked her, how can I improve my communication skills? Because I was so shy and introverted as well. I couldn't even talk to another person. Ask me to speak in front, I'll just cry. So that yeah. was me before. And then my friend said, join Toastmasters. I said, what's that? And then she said, Google it. So my friend was very helpful. So I Googled Toastmasters. <laughs> and, then, and then I joined. So that was years prior. And in my first, um, in my first speech in that community, I cried because I was so nervous. But I kept on saying yes every time I was invited to speak or every time I was called to speak. So in a way, I had training in in public speaking years prior. And thanks 
my most embarrassing experience during the interview, right? Wherein I couldn't even answer a simple question as simple as describe yourself. Yeah. So so that was me before. So when I got invited and I learned already a lot about speaking, um, so I learned that, you know, when you speak, you focus on the audience, not on yourself. Yeah. Because when you're too focused on yourself, you're you're nervous, you're thinking, what if I make a mess? Am I good enough? Et cetera, et cetera. So when I decided to focus on my message and the people I wanted to serve, which are millennials like me or young professionals like me, then that gave me that gave me the encouragement. So I would imagine in that room, the other speakers would be in their 50s, uh, 60s or late 40s. I would be the youngest. I'd be in my 20s. And the participants are mostly in their 20s and 30s. So they can relate with me. And I can share with them my bloopers. I can share with them the financial mistakes I made in the past. So they, they don't feel bad that they're making those mistakes. And they will feel, oh, that's me. That's my story. I wanted them to see their, their selves, uh, their, their stories in the story I was sharing. And then when I feel we were connected, that's when I shared what I did. So I did not see myself as above them. I saw myself as their friend and we're I'm holding your hand I'm taking you on a journey with me and I'm not sharing this I'm not here because I'm better than you I'm here because I've made a lot of financial mistakes in the past I learned from those mistakes you don't need to repeat my mistakes but I can share with you what I did to get out of that situation so that's how I approached it and that's why I really felt Uh, comfortable during that speaking engagement and I really felt so good there was nervousness of course we cannot eliminate that but it's more of excitement I was so excited to share the message and I was so excited to have a captive audience of 400 people who paid for for that event (laughs) Uh, and that my friend is the key to walking into a room knowing that you're meant to be there by by focusing on the audience by relating to them and so while you said you didn't feel above them um it doesn't sound like you were too intimidated by the older ones either because you knew that you were there for a purpose and you got to share all those things that you wanted to share with your friends at dinner who didn't want to listen who weren't ready to listen but because you'd published the book and you were sharing your stories and relating uh people could really engage with that and I love that your friends would have re- you know, read your book in their own time and then been able to have that conversation with themselves. Like, oh, okay, maybe I could do things differently. And uh, it's so generous of you to share those stories. And so tell me, what have you written since then? Okay, so I've written 15 books so far. Okay, let me mention some of the books I can remember right now. Different <laughs> uh, Happiness, Money and Me, How to Make Your Dreams Come True, How to Earn While on Vacation. Is it time to quit your job? Love yourself today. Uh, I also have a journal and then Conquering Stage, right? Those were some of the books I've written. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) There's there's more than I actually realized. I knew you'd written about happiness and gratitude. Um, Wow. That is so beautiful, Shah. So um, just coming back to, you know, we've both written books that, you know, are an expression of our journey, you know, but for me, building an international business by talking to people, overcoming my own lack of confidence and connecting with people, focusing on the audience or focusing on the people that I'm talking to, 
just discovering that when we talk to strangers, amazing things can happen. I, I don't think I, I didn't really set out to write a book about talking to strangers. People pulled that out of me. Friends asked me about that and colleagues, like, how do you meet these amazing people? And like, yeah, I think I need to write some of these stories. I meet the best people. And so I'm wondering about your clients who participate in your 90 day book writing challenge. I imagine that a lot of them are compelled in a similar way because of their own journeys. Are there some topics or um, stories that you can share with us that have come up, you know, from your, from your clients? What are you seeing that people are writing about? Yes. So by the way, so these people, these people, my clients have been wanting to write books for, for a long time. It's their dream. Yeah. But the common notion is that writing a book is difficult. Okay, I want, if you survey people, who among you wants to write a book? Maybe 90% of the people in the room would raise their hands. And then you ask, who among you has, have started writing the book? And then maybe one or two would raise their hands, right? Because there's this common notion that it's just a dream. It's just a dream. And I don't, don't even know if, if I have what it takes to make that dream happen. So a lot of my clients have been dreaming to write books all their lives, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, maybe five years ago, etc. And when, when they heard me speak about book writing, and the, so some of the comments I got was, you made it look so easy and so doable. Yeah. And so they, they got inspired, like the fire that was burning in them got reignited. So there, one of my clients has uh, Parkinson's disease and sometimes she cannot move her body. And sometimes her movement is so like this, she would move like this and she cannot control her movements. She was a government employee earning a meager salary at that time. And then when I offered the 90 day book writing challenge, she emailed me and said, Sha, I cannot afford the, the challenge. Can I pay this much every month? So she, she shared what she, she wanted to pay because this is what I'm earning. And you know what I like to see is, I want to see what is, is do you have skin in the game? Yeah. Are you passionate enough to share that message? And I really saw that in her, like she was willing to give what she has, what she had just so she could, be part of the 90 day book writing challenge and so whatever she offered me whatever proposal she offered me I said yes because it's not really about how much she will pay me but I just want to see how how committed are you and so this person was a normal government employee uh, she was unseen but after she wrote and published her book so it's all about how God has been moving in her life her testimony uh, testimony and then when she wrote when she published her book someone financed the publication of her book because they saw the message. And then she got invited to guest on TV stations, on the major TV stations in the Philippines. She was awarded. She was, she was, she was given awards by their local government. She was given awards by a national award-giving body. She was invited to speak in radio stations, etc. She was, she became seen yeah. She became seen. And it's all because she wrote a book. And we have so many other stories like that. We had authors who wrote who wrote books and she, uh, she's in her 80s. Our youngest was 11 years old. 
she had a dream. She wanted to write a book. Her mom enrolled her, enrolled her to our online program. And she finished her book and she launched her book. Another uh, author is a teacher, a public school teacher. And her book became one of, a, one of the required reading materials in their school. That's fantastic. Because, yes, because the principal uh, saw the importance of the book. So there are a lot of stories because we have over 100 authors already who who launched and published their first books. So there are a lot. There are a lot yeah, of them. That's amazing. And so I think we'll be able to share this episode uh, before the Global Authors Summit. So we'll be talking about this for, um, yeah, for the next few days on the socials and, and after it, I'm sure. I look forward to yeah meeting some of your clients and and sharing this because everybody has a story and I know some people want to write something for their family or they just want to write things for their own processing their ideas and I just think putting pen to paper is is a powerful thing and some people just love doing it you know digitally but what what do you think pen and paper or all digital or mix of the two I think right now the convenient way is virtual, uh, digital, but there are still a lot of people who want the physical copies. So, for example, yeah. for me, if it's a book that I would like to read over and over again, I would like the physical copy. If it's a book that I can read in one sitting and then I know that I want to go back to it again, I prefer it to be a digital one because um, I'm a minimalist or I'm trying to be a minimalist. Yeah, yeah. There is nothing like just holding a physical book. But in terms of writing, do you write on paper, like in a journal, or do you oh, just okay, okay. do it all typing? Or I, I do the mind mapping using pen and paper. So okay. I mind map first. So before I write a book, I have a clean sheet of paper, and then I write the blueprint. Like That's also how I teach my students. You write the yeah. blueprint yeah. using pen and paper, and then you write... You can write using a laptop or a digital gadget. Yeah. Because sometimes your hand cannot catch up with your thoughts. <laughs> sometimes you type faster than your than when you write it using using your hand. Yeah. Yeah, a mix of the two is good. And some of my books I have, well, some of the chapters have been a conversation that I've recorded and then we've had it transcribed uh-huh. and edited and you know it can take a bit with the editing but uh it's just about getting the words out isn't it and then we can work with editors to shape it um so i love the conversation that we've had today and i know we'll have so many more also i want to thank you Shah, for your beautiful testimonial in how to talk to strangers which um i was delighted Tan asked you for so um thank you thank you for inviting me to read the advanced copy of your book. I really enjoyed reading it. And congratulations to you for writing the book. By the way, Carrie uh, uh, is such a good connector. When I was in Switzerland, remember, I was in Switzerland, you connected me with Jessica. And then yeah. now I'm connected to so many people globally because of that single connection that you um, you introduced me to. Yes, well, when you're traveling to Switzerland, oh my goodness, you have to connect with Jessica. So uh, I was meeting up with Jessica in Singapore a few times and, and Sydney once, which was really lovely. Um, but yeah, Jessica's story is in How to Talk to Strangers also because Ganesh, who I met in Singapore, thanks to LinkedIn, he found me. And uh, then I introduced him to Jessica and he 
did some beautiful uh, support work during the pandemic for her grandparents' village in Italy, which was just wow. amazing. <laughs> yeah, so um, shout out to Jessica Fabrizi and her Global Super Connectors community. She really thank loved you, connecting Jessica. people. Thank <laughs> you, Jessica. So thank you so much, Jar, for your time. Thank you for reminding us about the power of gratitude and uh, how to create cultures of gratitude and connection and to get those books out thank you for sharing your your story about your financial journey and and for sharing that wisdom not just with us today but um but through your books and I, I know that would have been really important for your Filipino community also uh, you know just from things that I've learned from other people going to the Philippines and there's been quite a um, a number of people I know who've been teaching financial literacy in the Philippines and I've seen people absolutely transforming their life and that's beautiful and you have such a passion to help others I think that's the Filipino culture that we discover all around the world is that you have such a beautiful heart to help others so thank you for being you thank you and thank you for inviting me here and I just wanted to share something very quickly yeah. uh, so if you're reading a book this is like the epilogue right yeah <laughs> And it's like the epilogue. And it's about the power of being seen. So back when we met in uh, the EPS's convention in 2018, so there were a lot of speakers, right? And uh, there were, so there were a lot of speakers who made an impact on me. So two of them were Frederick Karen and Brenda Benz. So I, I made a note. Okay, my peg when it comes to female speakers, Brenda Benz, male speaker is Frederick Karen. And I really wanted them to be my mentors, etc. So for, for this year, I was coached by Brenda for six months. Um, so you would meet every month together with a small group of, intimate group of other global speakers. And I really wanted to discover my one big message to the world. Because although I talk about money management, I talk about book writing, I talk about public speaking, I talk about the power of gratitude, happiness in the workplace, I was looking for that one message that would glue everything together. And that was the, the focus of my conversation with Brenda. And what we uncovered is that, so I was telling her, Brenda, I want, I want to discover my one big message, my one topic. Then Brenda, so she asked me a lot of questions. Um, she listened to me and then she said, Sha, you know what I see in you is variety. And the three key words I see in you are inspiring, fearless, and possibilities. So those are the effects I can have on the organizations I want to speak to or um, like B2B clients. So possibilities in terms of increase. Uh, employee engagement, productivity, increase in productivity, uh, well-being, creativity, etc. So that's the result, right? And then I had the imposter syndrome. Like, okay, I want to speak more globally and I can see that more and more are inviting me to speak to their countries and they would, they would, they can, they will fly me in. And I had the imposter syndrome. Wow, will the money they pay me be, be worth the they pay me or they will invest in me in terms of the airfare the accommodation and my professional fee worth the 45 minute keynote that I will deliver to them so I had that syndrome so I emailed Frederick I also talked to a lot of our friends um, I emailed Frederick and then I shared with him my my dilemma I was expecting him to email me back and then just share what his insights right said let's hop on a zoom call 
And we talked for one hour, 20 minutes. He asked me questions. He listened to my doubts. He challenged my ideas. And then he showed me his laptop with the words being seen. And then everything, and I felt like crying at that time because everything, it's like everything became connected. So sometimes we need someone who will point out to us what has been right in front of us, right? Because I, I did not recognize that message. It was right in front of me. And Frederick said, all these words came from you, Sha. So, so that's why we need mentors and coaches. So anyway, so now it's so clear with me what my mission is as a global speaker. And my mission is to inspire fearless possibilities by helping leaders and organizations build a culture where everyone is seen and appreciated. I felt seen by Brenda. I felt seen by Frederick. I felt seen by you, Carrie. And that's why you invited me here. And also the reason why I was able to speak, I'm, I'm, I'm a speaker now, was because I felt seen by the first few organizers who invited me to speak in their events. Yeah. And they invited me even when at that time I was still, I was still so introverted and shy. So this can be the hidden potential in every organization when they build a culture where everyone is seen and appreciated. And that's my mission. I want to help companies and organizations build that kind of culture. That is beautiful. I am so on board with that. And my mission is to inspire a more connected, compassionate and collaborative world. So it is an absolute delight to connect with you today, Shah, and, uh, and all the other times that we connect on, on Zoom, on Facebook, on LinkedIn wherever it is, but I'm um, so delighted to have you here as a guest on the podcast and I will see you soon on your Global Authors Summit. Yes, see so you my, soon. Thank you for listening and feel free to reach out to Shah or myself. We'll have links in the show notes. Have a wonderful day, evening, week, uh, whatever's going on for you. Take a moment to write some things that you're grateful for. Putting pen to paper or sharing it with another person is a powerful thing, a gift to yourself. Thanks, guys. Bye.